Hey, welcome to Reforming Slavics today with myself, Nick, and uh, Tom, my co-host. Yo, what's up? Uh, today we're going to be talking about music, how Christians should view it, secular music in particular. Then uh, we'll dive into some discussions about media and movies and uh, books as well, because we all grew up in a Slavic community where there were very distinct lines between what Christians should listen to and what Christians shouldn't listen to. And as you get older, you realize those lines are not necessarily so crisp and clean. And there are, well, there's gray areas, right? Um, and as you get older, you learn to be a thinking Christian, a Christian who has to step into th- things that you would not necessarily, that necessarily don't talk about God or are not godly in your everyday life. And yet you have to find the little nuggets of truth and the nuggets of uh God's goodness that he had placed all over the world. And so we could actually start with um, music. I grew up in a Slavic Pentecostal church with my parents. Primarily the only music they listened to was Christian music that was produced by, you know, Christian artists that were in the Russian community. And you'd have these artists go to your church, they would sing and they would sell CDs afterward and you'd buy that CD and that was like the music you'd listen to in your car. Um, and that was kind of the scope of the musical comprehension that I had mm-hmm. until, you know, you discover your Christ- local Christian radio station, um, K-Love or KTVB. Air Air, that's, that was... K-T-S-Y. And, yeah, and then Air One was already the alternative um, Christian music. Yeah, it was like know. for the cool... For the cool, uh, yeah, KTSY listeners, and so uh, you'd kind of like start expanding as a teenager, and then uh, we would go to teen camp, and we would have speakers say, "Well, like a lot of Christian music, well, it doesn't talk about God. They have they they sing Jesus is my boyfriend songs, and like how can you possibly listen to something like Awake and Alive by Skillet?" Those guys are clearly demonic, and, and they just hype people up. Music should never introduce an emotion like that into your life. And that's like the push of the speakers where like everything godly is classical. Everything godly is calm and, and hymnal. Um, and you can only listen to godly music. And so later on you grow up and realize, oh, like, no, that's not even the scriptural point of view of music. Music has different kinds of attributes, right? There, there was music that was played for war. Mm-hmm. I, I doubt they played calm and joyful music when they went to war to kill other people in, in Israel's army, right? There's there's music for celebration where you are victorious over war, like the end um, of Exodus, where, well, not the end of Exodus, essentially the end of Exodus when Israel crosses the Red Sea and they rejoice in a song about how God killed all their enemies in the Red Sea and they drowned. Yeah. So music in scripture has particular um, aspects and they are used to describe God. But in the Russian community, it was always looked down upon to listen to anything that is non-Christian. Right. And so even if it's not necessarily inappropriate, it doesn't have any sexual innuendo or talk about rape or murder or um, anything, you know, anything like gangster rap. Yeah. Uh, If it was just a, if it was like a, even rap, right? Uh, I remember in my like teenage years, I was so indoctrinated into the fact that rap was bad that when I was introduced to Christian rap, like Lecrae, it took me forever to be comfortable with it. 
Um, and it was just uh, culturally weird to me <laughs> until I ran into Shylin. And like you can't deny Shylin's music being ungodly, right? He literally has lyric- lyrical theology. That's his style of music. And I, I really appreciated him for that. And then that yeah. gave me an opportunity to like, look at other music. So I guess you're like thinking about like uh, when certain Christians say that like a style of music is somehow inherently sinful. Like, yes. Like somehow that rock music, uh, well, the guitars and the drums, when they're played in a certain way, they it invoke... Con- it conjures up the devil, essentially. Yeah. I mean, there is a like... Maybe there is a hint, like, obviously there is a hint of truth in what some preachers were saying or people were saying during the youth camp, like, if you're just listening to, like, uh, music that's so generic that it could be talking about Jesus as your boyfriend, like, obviously we don't want to listen to those songs during our Sunday service, Yeah, like, that's just bad Christian music. Like, there's a lot of bad Christian music. You should probably listen to great secular music rather than bad Christian music. Just on the on purely on a musical level, right? Yeah. Like not th- there is when you say secular, you don't mean like inherently sinful, right? No, I just mean music that doesn't talk specifically about the Christian faith, right? There are there is music that is just like lyrically good, is just musically incredibly beautiful, and has yeah. nothing to do like Sweet Home Alabama. There you go, right? Um, country roads. Um, like, and you know, if you like listening to, if you're listening to Queen or you're listening to a clean version of an Eminem rap song or like, uh, like all these songs from our child, our childhood, um, there are clean versions of them. Right. And uh, you like rap songs. I, I grew up in California until I was in fourth grade and my indoctrination into music in the United States when we moved from, um, Russia was just purely all gangster rap because that's the community I was in. And I was a kid, I didn't understand any of the significance of the bad language in it or any of the concepts they were speaking of. It was just music that, you know, and that was deemed as really bad music. And truly, it talked about, con- like, the concept itself in the music is more important than the way it sounds. Like, you can have, dare I say this, you can have um, godly heavy metal and you could have very sinful, melodic, and very peaceful music that's demonic. Like you, th- th- those extremes do exist. Where how can how do you discern the, that though in the lyrics? So primarily, like we have to we have to you know obviously address the fact that yeah like music and I'm not a music expert. My wife would be a music expert. She plays all the instruments and um, she's really musically talented and um, knows a lot more about it but music is supposed to invoke emotion yeah but right? you you played the recorder <laughs> i think everyone <laughs> did in middle school music is supposed to induce emotion right anger could be godly and so you can listen to anger music that's godly yeah be angry but do not sin there you go also there's a range of emotion right excitement um thrill all these all these emotions can be brought up by music. I mean, look at all the movies that have musical numbers, like Pirates of the Caribbean inspires awe and adventure, right? And so music is used to accompany emotion. And you could have really Christian-sounding music that's completely atheistic and ungodly. And you can have, you know, music that sounds scary, that is trying to glorify God through uh, other means. I think that's biblically sound, Um 
It's just we have a culture in which if something sounds a certain way, we deem it godly. And I think that's not necessarily correct. Like, for what example? Um, well, I, I just go back to, for example, Skillet. Skillet produces a lot, and I haven't listened to Skillet in, oh geez, a decade. Now, I've listened to some recently, just it randomly comes up, like, I actually care to listen to Skillet in like a decade, right? Um, and they are more of a harder rock, maybe a little bit metal, not really metal, kind of in the middle there. And they produce, like, God-glorifying songs. In fact, the uh, main singer, I think his name is Al Scoop. No, I I forgot his name. Anyways, but he is like theologically sound. He actually speaks with Doctor James White, and he 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 um you know preaches to people, and he's into apologetics. Alice Alice Cooper. That's some other. That's a some, that's a non Christian singer. There, there's can it's, you can you Google it? Yeah. And like, in our Christian community, if you play that, that's horrific, right? John Cooper. John Cooper. See, Alice Cooper is not a not a good. Like, yeah, I think he's like a hard, like that's hardcore, a hardcore demonic metal yeah. kind of, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then, and then, so you have to have like this discernment, right? Like, uh, and it's also not bad to listen to songs that talk about hard things. What do you think about a lot of people bring up like the way he dresses? Like he wear he'll wear like eyeliner, and he has really uh, dark clothes all the time. So mm-hmm. they say that. The way he's dressing is demonic because he's like he like he likes the dark, like the dark style. Mm. So the color black is Satan's already. I don't think so. I think I think the fact that um, John can wear black and smile and be friendly says more about you know Christian conservatives and specifically in the Russian community who never smile, whose face looks like they want to murder you and dress very very nicely. Like, I would rather have the person who is welcoming. And again, uh, I I have my own stylistic preferences, and I think if you wear skinny jeans, that's a very bad statement in general. But hey, to each his own. Yeah. So I don't don't think aesthetic does play a role in the way you portray yourself. He does talk about in his interviews how the way he dresses is a form of evangelism and that he reaches a certain crowd of people that already enjoy that style and that style isn't isn't necessarily uh it's not inherently sinful yeah there's you would have to bring up like some kind of scriptural basis to say like hey this the way that you dress is, is sinful and unless it's like dressing like a woman which i would like like maybe say some certain styles of like uh you know like don't wear what a man would wear uh you know for a woman or don't what a woman would wear for a man but of course there's so much like like subjectivity to it then there's no way to absolutely pin down you know it's very subjective to pin down what is sinful what you you dress unless it's like very very obvious yeah cuz a, a dress in an irish culture is what men would wear in nepal when i was there a dress w- was what actually men would wear it was like a traditional uh dress kind of thing but it's obviously uh that dress was obviously for men yeah no just feminine <laughs> and masculine types of clothing and the bible is clear about that because that's talking about the roles of the sexes 
Um, but yeah, I think there should be a, and again, it's, it's slow and difficult. Um, but you have to recognize that like music itself can be really good and godly and not have a single word about Christ or Christianity in it. That that's a possibility, right? Um, and there's good music in life. And also you have to realize like you shouldn't listen to music as a Christian that talks about explicit sexual rebellion or murder or or any any of the things that the Bible prohibits, and like you can't, as a Christian, you can't really enjoy that. Not because you sh- one you shouldn't enjoy that, yeah. But also your heart kind of rebels against it, and so you have this aesthetic in which, like, you have a a framework and say like these things are godly, but these things are beautiful, and they necessarily don't speak directly about who God is, but God is giving the influence and the power and the talent to do so. And so, what do you think about like listening to secular songs that? not like they're very broad in talking about certain things like for example well i guess it is kind of you have to look at your heart and how you're kind of entertained by this song like are you entertained by this song because it it uh it tempts you like it it puts your fleshly desires it like what do you mean by fleshly desires like for example, if if you if you're going to the gym, right, and you want a hyped up song, um, you could play some kind of clean version of 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 a rap that necessarily not might be Christian at all, right? I don't see an issue with that, right? If if the lyrics are talking about how well you can achieve something in football, or lyrics lyrics talk about success in business, or um, just pursuing something and being incredibly inspired to do so, like those are all pursuits that encompass hard work hard work yeah. ethic is is biblical right yeah and so there are aspects like that i just I, I remember like uh one time we were like going from we we're go, going on this like uh youth trip and a bunch of us were singing like all of me by john legend and you know one person said hey stop singing that that per- that was made by an atheist and you're like you're promoting them. You're promoting their music. Or yeah, your iPhone was made by a CEO who's gay, right? Yeah. You're, are you promoting the homosexual agenda? I don't know. If, I don't know if they said that they were promoting, it, but it's just like it was just kind of like illogical thinking, right? Yeah, I mean, and but that's the kind of ingrainment that we experience in, in the Slavic community, where it's like, no, all 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 sorts of music must be written by a christian or have a christian influence in it and i think we could we, we should separate from that and say like, music by itself can portray other things other than just things about specifically christian doctrine or glorifying christ christ is glorified through beauty as well right and sometimes music has no specific point to christianity yeah because that song i was talking about is a man saying all all of his being his mind heart and emotions is is towards this other woman. Yeah. You know, it's not being specific. It's not saying whether it's in a, you know, in a promiscuous way, out of marriage way. It's just being very general. Yeah. It's like, if I see that towards a man and a woman in marriage, then, yeah, then it's it could glorify God. Yeah. I mean, and you do have explicitly um, God-hating songs in our culture, specifically in our modern pop culture today. And yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to listen to those things, but there, there is good music too that's, you know, written by other people. What do you think, want to go into discussion about like podcasts and like Joe Rogan? 
Sure. So when you're talking about like you wouldn't want to listen to something ex- like explicit or that or this, but yeah, what do you think about listening to someone like Joe Rogan, where um, there's a lot of Christians that find him fascinating in the discussions he has, and a lot of his things are very explicit uh, uh, with like bad words, and sometimes he just doesn't like he has a very ungodly worldview would you agree his his podcast can be very dirty very sexually explicit very provocative uses a lot of um, expletives and yeah i fast forward through those i i don't like them i don't like hearing that it's unappealing it makes you um not want to listen right and there are some episodes that you're like well i'm just gonna skip through that part real quick and we'll get to the good part of it right because it's very very broad amount of guests he has sometimes he has a comedian and they're joking about very sexual things and other episodes he's talking to a scientist about like the age of the earth or certain fossils we found it's like it could be it could be very broad yeah and you have to use like uh like you should be a thinking christian a thinking christian can discern between someone who is non-christian but has great material and truth right like it's not they're not mutually exclusive like people who don't know anything about god can have extremely valuable truth that they can provide to you and um you should take it right there there is but there should be caution right we don't want to weigh into the fact that fact you know we enjoy the dirty material that's provided because we're just becoming like the pigs who goes back to their squalor and we don't want to be like that as christians and, and so I've, there has to be discernment there right and i feel like yeah, because we go to we go, like, why do we listen to these podcasts? For a lot of it is like entertainment, and um, information, entertainment, um, learning, curiosity, yeah. right? There is a lot of news nowadays, though, that or YouTube videos or like very, that sh- that pro that they portray the they're very informative, but they're more like gossipy and they're more uh, they're more entertainment. If you're just being honest, yeah, yeah, and like. We have to be careful because that's like what the world is very hyped right now with like YouTube clickbait, you know, like everything is very towards that kind of provocative sense. Like gets gets into like politics and stuff like that. Well, again, yeah, you, you, you do think about the things you feed yourself. And so you should feed yourself truth, beauty, and goodness. And the same thing with, um, you know, other forms of media, like specifically movies, or even books, right? Um, as Christians, we like we were told never to read Harry Potter. Like Harry Potter is like the wickedest book of all things because there were wizards and witches, and clearly all wizards and witches are evil and bad and corrupt, right? But um, like as I grew up, I've you know learned first. I learned that Lord of the Rings, the Lord of the Rings trilogy exists. One, I learned what it was. Two. And I fell in love with the actual trilogy. Um, same thing with, um, you know, uh, aspects of... The Chronicles of Narnia? The Chronicles of Narnia and C.S. Lewis's uh, The Space Trilogy, where there are there are elements of magic. But the way you should judge books about magic and, mystic, you know, wizards and all that, like, for example, Lord of the Rings has a wizard, Gandalf. It's not the fact that it has magic in it it's a fantasy world of course it's going to have magic right it's 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 a the architecture of the world is not like the world we have here you know and so you have to separate yourself from that it's how they use the magic 
what the magic was there for, right? In Harry Potter, the magic is used for selfish gain. The, the, the power source is always internal. You conjure it up yourself. It is, it is the worship of self and the empowerment of self. Harry Potter doesn't really have to do anything. He's just endowed with this magical power. He's a wizard. Versus, and he, he uses it blatantly. Like he, he doesn't, they use spells for all sorts of things. In Lord of the Rings, Gandalf almost always tries to purposely avoid using his power until the very necessity in which it's designed for and given to him by a greater being. And so there is a good way a character in a fantasy can use magic that is God glorifying. And so you have to distinguish those. It's not necessarily about the fact that magic is bad. It's about the fact that what the magic is used for, how it's used for, and how the architecture of the world that the author created portrays it, right? Who does it give glory to? What is the use of it? And what is the ultimate purpose of the story? I guess some pushback would be, well, isn't all magic witchcraft? And so we have to avoid it. I, and then I would point you to the Old Testament. Was it was it witchcraft when Moses dropped his staff and it turned it to snake? Was it witchcraft when a um, prophet threw his threw a um, stick or stone into the river and an axe head that's iron floated up? Is it witchcraft when um, Elisha is being mocked by their kids calling him bald and he? talks and god sends a bear and mauls the kids is that is that witchcraft um is it is it witchcraft for moses to part the red sea is it witchcraft for joshua to stop the sun in its place right all these are magical things right they are in fact supernatural magical things but they're always used for the purpose of glorifying god if you look if you compare moses in the old testament and gandalf in the lord of the rings Moses was a wizard, right? We just we just refuse to use those kind of words in our Christian um, lexicon, right? Or our Christianese. But like the, the Old Testament is more magical than a lot of the, the um, you know books that we read today about fantasy. And so we see God use supernatural magic to glorify himself and lead his people. Right, and so I, I would say that, like, read your Bible more carefully and see that magic is used by God to glorify Him. And I'm not talking about there's good witches and good wizards in the modern world. No, like the source of goodness and the way we view it in the supernatural sense, it's it's God. He is the source of all goodness, and we can't just you know go and create some kind of ward and start practicing. Magical things, not like that's that's going to the source of evil and, and demonic purposes. But we can see that, like, not so, all magic is evil. Yeah, it's God's magic. So you're saying, in the context of the story of Lord of the Rings, it's it's obviously not real. But what it's doing is portraying a story that is showing good versus evil. Yeah, it's it's a, and, it's a story of good versus evil. And you can't obviously implement everything into our story because there's there's no like real we don't have hobbits we don't have dragons right yeah and so it's very like everybody likes a good story right and 
we do we live in a story. We are characters in stories, and so we love stories. That's the story written by God. We crave good stories, and the reason we know good stories are good is because they match God's architecture of the world that the author created matches the architecture and the way good and yeah. evil function to the real world when God. So why? So you're gonna are you gonna let your kids watch Harry Potter? No. What about Lord of the Rings? Maybe I don't know. Like the, I, I the reason I say watch Harry Potter is I'd prefer they read the books first. I, I don't. I'm not a big. I've never read Harry Potter. I'm not a big fan, and I'm pretty sure most kids like kind of like things their parents like. But the reason Harry Potter is bad is not because there's magic in it. It's because the magic is the source of magic. One is yourself. Hmm. Two, it's used for selfish purposes. Harry Potter never has to work. And do anything. It just the magic literally is magical. It just gives you, you know, you say you say a spell and boom, food appears. That's not like that's not the function of Gandalf's magic. Gandalf's magic is specifically for the purpose and role that he was created for, and it's used only to resist evil. Um, in Harry Potter, magic is just flatantly used for um, you know random goofs and giggles. In Lord of the Rings, is there a like a creator? Yes. Who is it? It's God. It's the Christian God. <laughs> no, I mean, like in the story, I don't remember like there being too much. There's, there's, there's no theological hierarchy, like overarching narrative in Lord of the Rings. Uh, Tolkien did write. Tolkien was a Christian. He was a, was a, you know, a Catholic, but not out of necessarily conviction. But the reason Tolkien became Catholic was because of his childhood, and that's kind of kind of. It's a longer story. Read about Tolkien if you're interested in him. Um, but what was it? Was it a Lewis and Tolkien? They were friends. Yeah. Um, in fact, Lewis became a Christian because of Tolkien. L- Lewis was an atheist prior to interacting with Tolkien, and Tolkien actually made him become Christian, and so, so they had L- a long relationship there. Did C.S. Lewis? Uh, he couldn't convince Tolkien to convert out of Catholicism. I I don't I don't the reason okay. Quick story. The reason Tolkien was a Catholic was because when he was young, he was orphaned. His dad died and his mom died. And the only pre- person who actually took him in and took care of him for his childhood being raised was a Catholic um, priest. And so out of, out of and knowing Lincoln would take him in, and, and out of respect for the Catholic priest, he was kind of brought up in that. And so, and again, all Catholics are different, and I'm pretty sure there are Catholics who are going to heaven because they believe in Christ alone. They just have a muddled theology. Um, this is not a discussion about Catholicism, but in general, like that's where. But Tolkien's background is thoroughly Christian, mm-hmm. um, and in fact, Tolkien and Lewis use medieval Norse mythology, like the dwarves and you know dragons, and this idea of mountains and and um, ancient spells and ant, ants, not ants as in like your aunt, um, your brothers, you know, like ant man, ant as in the big trees. Um, all these are um, Nordic mythology. Aren't those ants? Ants, ants, ants. Yeah. Well, I think. Well, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, it's not ant. It's ants. Like, I with an e. Yeah, and like all these, all these portrayals of creatures are steeped in Norse mythology and they're just stories. Well, wasn't it like, didn't Tolkien want there to be a, a British mythology because 
There well, wasn't much. There was the thir- the Arthurian legend in regards to you know King Arthur and Excalibur and, um, in fact, if you read C.S. Lewis, he talks about the last magician in like Britain, which would be Murloc, the magician from the Arthur story, and the way C.S. Lewis writes him is very interesting. He writes him as a good warlock or as a as a good magician. And yeah. If you want to read that, it's the Space Trilogy. The last book would be That Hideous Strength. That's beside the point. And so you have like architectures in which you could portray um, magic as something, as a force for good in certain architectures of stories and how you create a narrative. Yeah. Uh, there's this interesting verse uh, I saw today that reminded me of this topic. Um I was listening to a Living Waters podcast and they were talking about like how Christians should consume media and they were talking about this verse, uh, Acts 17, verse 21. It says, Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who live there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. And in the podcast, they were talking about like uh, Ray Comfort. He's saying like, man, I just thought this was like really weird that they would just do this like all day long. And then he's like, wait a second. A lot of us are doing this today. Like a lot of Christians and a lot of uh, non-Christians both are just like over-consuming like pointless media to the point where it's like, hey, we want it, We want something new. We want something new. New content, new. And this kind of like goes into the, st- uh, like the news, how you could be over-consumed by like what's going on new and stuff. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean... News is the the addiction to news is the desire to know or be in the in, knowing what's going on, and it creates a lot of anxiety because all news essentially nowadays is based on fear, right? It is to portray the world as scary, and then you are essentially addicted to it because you need to know what's next yeah. to not be afraid. But the very next thing is just more fear. Like, you'll get a lot more views if you go and interview people at a abortion rally if they start fighting you. Yeah. If well, there's a conflict. Right? We're, always, we're always drawn to... I mean, it's not just, bad that we're drawn to excitement. We just have to be excited about things that actually make us better and yeah. strive for holiness. But isn't, and, it, it's a, isn't it kind of sinful to have that desire for, like, violence? Like, just, like if you would see a car accident and be like, don't look. Yeah, like everybody wants to look. Well, we should look. That's what we're like. We are curious human beings in regards to violence. Um, we shouldn't glorify pointless violence because we are you know, created in the image of God. And so destroy a human being to wreck some, you know, the image of God is to um, desecrate it. And that's, that's sinful. And yet, violence is something that we should all like understand and acknowledge. There's a difference between a movie like John Wick, where there's just violence for the sake of violence, and a movie like Saving Private Ryan, where it portrays the actual realities of what war is, and the brutal consequences of what happened at World War II, the memory that should linger, and the portrayal of what the, so, the brave, mm-hmm. the the brave eighteen, sixteen to seventeen year old kids that lied on their applications to join the war, did to protect and preserve yeah. freedom in the United States and to free 
you know, millions of Jews from extermination. Like, well, you know, like violence is, uh, it exists in this world. And so we have to learn to deal with it. Uh, Jeff Durbin talks about, you know, he's a pastor. He talks about, he, he enjoys John Wick because of the Corey, Corey, uh, choreographed scenes. Yeah. Like scenes, they're yeah. very, very accurate in the, in the way they do acrobat, uh, like, um, mixed martial arts. Mm-hmm. Like it's very accurate. And so he enjoys that specific aspect of it. And you can't blame him, like, can't like, wrong him for that. But I like as a story, John Wick kind of sucks because there's no, there's no, you know, isness to it. Like he, it, essentially, the story of John Wick is a dog. A dog's life is more valuable than a human life. That's essentially the story of John Wick, right? And what? biblically, that's inverted. Like human beings are created in the image of God, not animals. But that's that's a different discussion, right? And so, like, so it's about a dog. Or you're saying that's the general concept? No, like there are themes in movies and in books and in stories. And like you have to be a thinking Christian to say like that's the theme that's being portrayed in this story. And that's God glorifying or that's veering away from the narrative that God portrays in this world. Um, And so like you have to be discerning. Like you can't just be obliviously. You can't just say like that movie has killing in it and therefore Christian could never watch it. That's like then don't read your Bible because the Bible is full. Well, the Bible is full of rape, murder, atrocities. You know, name a sin. The the Bible has it. And so mm-hmm. there are ways to portray things in which they glorify God and still address uh, the realities of the world. Yeah. What do you think about, there was, me, there's no, like we grew up for like maybe some of our life, there wasn't cell phones you know, in like our early life, but now there is cell phones and, you know, our next generation is, they're going to grow up always knowing that there's been cell phones. Like, how is the effect? How does that affect our lives? I, I don't know. I, I think a lot of times it's overblown. Like, yes, social media exists and like we're all affected by, yes, cell phones exist, but also for thousands of years, like, discipline existed too, right? And you could choose to take a vice and leave a vice. And, well, obviously now vices are a lot more prevalent in, in your pocket. And yet, like, discipline still exists. God is the same God who gives the same power to every generation. And so, um, you know, that's th- this is the same conversation people had when the television was invented. And now television is like a an irrelevant thing. Yeah. It's, it's not a big deal, right? We we used to think that the television was literally, um, like, in, especially in the Slavic community, like the television was an idol. It was the devil. Like the devil had created television, and that was a big thing. And I think there is this there's this misconception in popular culture, and I could be wrong about this totally. That social media and cell phones are the cause of the problem with all these, you know, anxiety issues yeah. and attention deficit disorders. Yeah. Like, that's true, but also, like, don't give your kid a cell phone. L- teach your kids to be disciplined. Like, the the applicational aspects of how to be a good human being that's God-glorifying has never changed. It's just a different tool, and use it wisely. Yeah, you, like, there's a poll, and, like, a lot of people would say they wish the internet never existed because they think the world was a lot better before the internet. Oh, really? Have you tried getting insurance without internet? Have you tried, you know, finding a home without internet? Or um, looking up directions? Good luck. 
you know? And so, no, like, the internet is a tool like anything else. It can be used for great good or for horrendous evil. I imagine, like, yeah, so. But, yeah, I, also, people are, millions of more people are being reached as there's more internet. And a phenomenon is coming on as, like, Starlink is getting more popular in very scattered places. This is internet that could be reached to very, very rural areas. People are going to be able to have access to internet and access to the gospel a lot more readily. Yeah, I think I think a lot of Slavic Christians think that the the last godly technology that was invented was the radio, and after the radio, everything was invented by Satan, right? Everything visual started being satanic, right? And so, I think that again, you should be a thinking Christian. You should view music and movies and books and media and Joe Rogan and everything else and recognize like I can acknowledge that what Joe Rogan says or some other podcaster says or some movie portrays something like very sexually promiscuous like that's evil like that's not what my heart wants I'm not going to participate in listening to that or watching that and yet you could say like this part specifically is very wise and important and everyone has their own tolerances of what they are capable of skipping through or not skipping through or uh, ignoring or not ignoring, right? I'm and just so. I'm just worried with like I kind of feel like some people grow up like very very sheltered, and then they go to the other extreme where everything. If you're abstaining from this movie, like you know, if like if I'm like talking to a Christian, I'm like, no, I don't watch those movies, and they kind of look at me. They kind of look at you legalistic. Yeah, and it's, and it's like, like, well, I'm like, no, I don't want to go and watch that movie because I looked it up and uh, there's going to be a, a man where it's going to show his butt. And it's like, well, that's, that's just a small thing. It's like, yeah, but like, what else do they have that they didn't, they didn't show? It's like, yeah, it's and not. So, and so if you, if you, you are watching a movie that's sexually explicit, like I'm not going to put myself in that position. That's, that's sinful. That's pornographic. I'm not going to do that. Or if there is like just the whole entire movie is F-bombs. Like, why would I Why would I participate in that? I don't enjoy that as a Christian because I, I love God. I like wholesome things, right? And so, like, you can do that. But at the same time, if you're watching, like, Saving Private Ryan again, like, there are expletives in that movie. But the reason there are expletives in that movie is because it's wartime. Like, it portrays reality. And you could choose... And, like, some people can't dis- and say, yeah. like, that's sinful. Like, well, yes, it's portraying something that was, in fact, sinful. It was war. War is sinful. And yet there is redemption in that. And then there's bravery. And in the midst of that sinfulness, God is saving people yeah, through like, the you know the allies rescuing the Jews. And so, again, there is this... Like, if you if you just read your Old Testament, if you just read, you know, 1 Samuel, you recognize, like, the Bible talks about some horrific things. Um and again, like use wisdom, use common sense, and just know that like you can you can watch like there's there are filters like VidAngel that skip through sexually explicit scenes. They scenes they uh, take out all the expletives and the cuss words from a movie and you can just watch a movie that's clean and like it's a great story and so you want to watch the movie for the story. Um, like you are you are as a Christian are capable of doing that without sinning. And if your conscience condemns you, don't. And then don't, you know, I, I think there's also that idea like, well, I can do all things because I'm a Christian. Nothing's going to taint me. I fr- have freedom in Christ. You have, to, you have freedom in Christ to be holy, not to be, you know, wallowing in, in filth. And so just discernment in that sometimes is challenging. Yeah, because ultimately, like, 
if you don't feel good after watching like something, it's because you, you have the Holy Spirit in you and you feel like you've sinned. Yeah. That's going to just lead you. Yeah, don't let your conscience that, condemn you. Yeah, and it could lead you to feel far away from God and just not walking in the Spirit. And that could lead you to just being less and less sanctified. Like, your general, like, those who are pure in heart, they will see God. Yeah.